When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Dr. Laurie Santos. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. We believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can build a more connected community. Neighbor to neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hi, this is Matt Rogers. And this is Bowen Yang. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more Connected community. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game, although maybe not that beautiful at the weekend. Not too bad, though, certainly looking better than they did last week against Burnley. On this episode, I am joined by Peter Marsh, my co host as usual. Uh, welcome back, Peter. You've been away for the last couple of episodes. Hello. Hi, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me back. That's right. And we are also joined by Andy Knott, who I did see on Saturday at the match. Hello, Andy. Hello, and I saw two of you on Saturday. <laughs> yes, you'd, you'd had a few drinks, which was which was all perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. So we were at the game, Andy and Peter were all there. And I did a little bit of audio, not enough really to justify a match day special. And to be honest, I was a bit demotivated by the end. But we did get a little bit of um, of half-time and post-match. Okay, it's Aston Villa. We're already at half-time on a a mini-match day special. Uh, I am with my old mate John and Duncan, and we've got a special guest, from our point of view at least, our old mate Tim, who's living over in Switzerland now, and a little bit in Italy, and he's over especially for the game, and to celebrate, uh, Brighton are losing 1-0 at home against Villa. All well and good. Tim, how are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing very well, but all I can say to you is that we're going to win 2-1. Is this the beer drinking? Because we have got quite a lot of beer with us, haven't we, at half-time here? We might have over-purchased, but it's not the beer. It is actually the certainty that we are going to win 2-1. I love it, though. That's brilliant. And this is the beauty of this podcast, doing the match day specials, getting predictions before the game. It's not a prediction, Russell. It's true. Oh, okay. All right, all right. All, right. all, the, all the more beautiful if you now turn out to be wrong. As I'm as sure as this, as I am as... Putin winning in, in uh, the battles in Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. Okay, great. Oh, blimey. Uh, you know, I don't know if Phil's defences up to Ukraine's ready, but we'll see. Anyway, um, 
so you're predicting a Super Bowl win. Anyway, you're over for how long? A few days? Oh, three days. Three days. Yeah, yeah. Right. Taking yeah. the game. You've had a few I, I, drinks in there? No, 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 no. No, 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 yes. So we've been, we're not going to say where, where you've been because I want to go there and check that out before it gets popular in case anyone's listening yeah, to this. No, no, it's not about the alcohol, it's more about the the high-end, uh, we had um, oysters and, and crab. Nice. I'm jealous, I'm jealous now. And that is, not a lot of football fans have oysters and crab before a game. What you need to do to wash that down is to order about 11 pints at half-time. No, no, I've done that. I've done that. <laughs> Actually, it was nine, to be fair. We had the other yeah. two. <laughs> I, I suspect this isn't broadcastable. What do you think? Oh, I think it's 100% <laughs> no. broadcastable. So, no, funny enough, I actually do listen to the podcast pretty much every week when I'm in the gym and I sit there on the uh, on the bike machine going, you know, doing thing, thinking, well, at least I wasn't there with Russell when he was getting <laughs> drunk. Because <laughs> it's embarrassing, man. I mean, you know. Welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting sweaty listening to our voices, no, are you? No, I'm not sweaty because I'm not working that hard. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just pushing the bike around. You're just yeah. in the gym. You're not yeah. doing anything. You're just in there. <laughs> Fair enough. That's all right. Well, I think you might need it after this week. Uh, this weekend. <laughs> anyway, cheers. Yeah, Great cheers, to have man. you back on. Yeah. Always a pleasure, sir. Duncan, any any further thoughts? Uh, <laughs> are you able? Are you capable of thoughts after all this beer? Well, yeah, obviously I've been uh, hosting my best mate, Tim, who's yeah. just, uh, that's great to have him over here, and uh, I just popped off to, uh, I couldn't, I, I said go left and buy three beers, couldn't find him, so I bought three beers, he went right, bought six, so we got <laughs> nine pints at half time. Luckily John and I got our own to stay on round. So that's 11. <laughs> <laughs> Ferris have thought that we, we would be in need of a beer, but anyway. But, um, but going back to the match, um, yeah, oh, it's a bit difficult. Um, you know, they... Soccer punch goal, wasn't it, really? It was, I mean, uh, it's a good, Coutinho uh, it was, was great, it was super, it was a good goal. It was a good one. Yeah. Uh, but we gave we're him too much space, didn't we? We're going to win the game. I'm not sure. Uh, the authority and the conviction with which Tim is saying we're going to win this game. Yeah, no, no, no. I know a lot about football. <laughs> um, no, I really do. I, I know and a lot. everyone laughs. Yeah, no, this is all cool. <laughs> and if it's 2 1, people are going to go, whoa. I can't tell you the number <laughs> of else? times I've come to watch the Albion and got the score right. <laughs> Uh, both I can't tell you because both times. Can, you, can, you, can, you, <laughs> can you come more often, please? And uh, I think the game might have restarted, so we might have to go back. We've only got about another six points to go we here. We don't so. want any coherence out of us <laughs> at all. This bit's going to be more fun than the end if we don't win. Put it that yeah, way. the end. Uh, if we win, this is going to be amazing. Brilliant. And yeah. if, it's not, if it's not, we delete the whole bloody thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And John, any any thoughts from you on the game? Never, never. Uh, my only comment is, thankfully, the referees come out in support of Ukraine with the amount of yellow cards. So it's <laughs> nice to see. Yeah. Very good yeah. comment. Oh, Villa have had four bookings, and arguably could have had maybe one more. Uh, we've, we've got a couple, but Mings comes yeah. over, gets involved in something, nothing to do with him at all. They've been pretty dirty. Uh, the, the other ones have all been dirty challenge yellows, haven't they? A physical side, shall we say. Yeah. I mean, they're worse than bloody Burnley. Yeah. Unbelievable. I can't believe I'm saying that. They are so far. Yeah. Anyway, let's see how it goes. I reckon they'll go down to 10 and Tim's going to be right. 
That's my prediction. Exactly. We're yeah. playing pretty well. I, I think we were. Well, we're the better team. Yeah. 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 Oh, so we're unlucky. We're, we're a lot better at the today. moment. We're a lot better. Yeah. Today. yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Well, we better get back to these beers, and I think we can <laughs> maybe catch the last ten minutes of the second half. Oh God, I've got another one now. <laughs> right. Okay, that's it for now, boys. Cheers. Post-match, we ended up losing two 0 Tim, remind me, remind me of your assurance at halftime. I definitely know. I know that we're going to win two-one at halftime. <laughs> yep. And we are next week. <laughs> uh, we're definitely going to win 2-1 I'll tell you that Newcastle yeah. we all want to beat them don't we yeah I like Newcastle as a team not the Saudis but I like the team good but, city uh, we're definitely definitely going to win next week 2-1 lovely that's what I was saying after I might, uh, you might have misunderstood me yeah probably yeah, yeah. That, that'll be it <laughs> yeah. I was so annoyed I mean last week we were talking to the Brighton Bard who come all the way from the States to factor in a trip to Brighton on his way to Hungary for a business which is shrewd of him uh, but he picked a really bad game obviously Burnley yeah. you, you unfortunately are over from Switzerland no you, I have you, not picked a bad game well it's a bad result I thought we were better than them today and uh, you know I don't, I don't care Fair we point. were the better team and uh, uh, Pot is brilliant and um, <laughs> is it, is it still the battery's low we're still running yeah no I yeah. mean we're, we're the better team and we played very very well and uh Obviously, we didn't win, but we will next week, so that's cool. It's a blip. It's a mini blip of some sort. That's all it is, isn't and it? And I, I can't wait. So I listen to the podcast uh, every week in the gym, on the on the, on the the uh, bike, I'm doing the bike, and I'm listening to you with all of your experience and intellect and insight and Peter's insight about, you know, all the... Intellect and insight? How much have you had to drink? <laughs> yeah, more... more yeah. Exactly. Anyway, go on, sorry, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we switch it over, we've got to, to our new found friend since Boxing Day, Ahmed. It's all gone wrong, hasn't it? Your, your, um, it has. tali- your yeah. talismatic charms have got words on the team now. Yeah, it has gone wrong, and I can only apologise for that, but... It is all your own fault, personally, yeah, I have Personally, yeah, I take total blame. <laughs> Whether he wants to be a Brighton fan. Definitely. No, but we have played four in the last three games. What's gone wrong? Because we've. Well, well, Man United was a rip off uh, a little bit. But these two home games. We played well against Man U. We conceded seven goals. We scored zero goals. It's not good. Something's not right. I thought we were poor second half today. I thought we were second best all the way through last week. Yeah. Um, Home, home form is an issue, isn't it? For some reason, I don't know why. Maybe we need to play more away games. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can we play 38 away games, please? We'll play everyone away twice. I'm hopeful for Newcastle. Yeah, I'm hopeful. So, right. Newcastle. are you going to Newcastle? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Are you this is you a rugby thing you can I'm hear. Not going. I'd love to go. I'd love yeah. to go. Yeah, what a great good. place to go to watch the Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, you yeah. guys are going to have a great time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, we're not talking about football. No, no, that's fine. We're just talking about ourselves. We're talking about Newcastle. Well, I'm not going to Newcastle, annoyingly. You guys are going there. Yeah, yeah. 
you staying the night on uh, yeah. Saturday? Oh, you're yeah. blaming it on me, are you? Just have fun. <laughs> it is, honestly, I can't think of a better place to party in the UK than that. Yes. Newcastle. You know oh, Newcastle, don't you, Tim? Yeah. So much fun there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah, Probably. We're going to get our party in before Definitely. Again. You're going clubbing in the big market afterwards, are you? <laughs> Well, loads, loads of my mates are going. I'm not going to that one. I may come to the Lewis Worthing game down back down this way. I'm not sure. There yeah, might be. Lewis might be. played. Uh, no, Worthing played Enfield today. Did you see yeah. the score? I haven't called the score yet. Yeah, big top of the table match. I'm going to check that as soon as I stop recording this. Anyway, <laughs> no, no, no. It's all about Worthing for me. Yeah. Well, listen, Ahmed, Allison, and. Uh, tipsy Tipsy Tim the yep. Switzerland based Albion fan thank you for joining us ciao so the weekend's game we've um, got a few opinions I'm sure on this one um, the cold light of day we're recording this on Tuesday and he's nodding his head furiously um, I mean obviously disappointing result 2-0 in the end Albion lined up with Sanchez in goal Veltman a returning dunk who should never have been out for the last game anyway but let's leave that one alone now Russell and Kukureya who seemed to be forming a back three according to the lineup and then you had Lamptey and March seemingly as the wing backs we had Moda Basuma McAllister in midfield Trossard further forward with Morpay that was the lineup as we thought it was at the beginning of the game and as the game ended, um, not great, really. A 2-0 defeat. We did have 67% possession. Familiar at there. 12 shots to nine, but tellingly only one on target to Villa's four. And as with the game against Burnley, another Clarence and Blue side that came for a rare treat, three o'clock um, kickoff on a Saturday, which I'm getting pretty fed up with, um, seeing as Everton was the other one. Um, we, we keep losing to nil when we have these games. Um, you know, they, they were clinical in front of goal. Villa, same as Burnley, and that was the telling difference. Um, the rest of the stats, quite frankly, don't really matter. So discuss. I mean, Andy, you were nodding furiously. Let's go to you first. Let's get your take on what you thought of the game as a whole and anything in particular to draw from it. Well, unfortunately, I don't have a great deal to say about it, largely because I'd had such a good time beforehand. Um, and, <laughs> this is the key, isn't it? <laughs> Um, and I haven't watched the extended highlights since I, I, I've watched Match of the Day. Um, what what can I say about the game? Um, well, we were better than we were against Burnley, but that's not really terribly surprising. Um, and uh, both their goals were very poor defending. Um uh, we had chances. Unfortunately, the best one went to the person that you probably most wanted it to go to, but mm. he blasted it over the bar. But uh, let's be gracious here. I think it did actually kiss the crossbar. Um, yes, it did. Bar. And and I, I said at the time, I think I hit the bar, and nobody around me thought it had. But uh, uh, having seen it back, yeah, it does seem to kiss the bar, which is very affectionate, but not not quite the love we wanted. <laughs> um, yeah, McAllister, of course, we're talking about. And that was with the score at 1-0, wasn't it? And it's on small moments, as always, um, the way matches turn. The, the stats prove that, obviously, always, because... The stats often don't reflect the outcome of the game, and this was the case here in in that respect. Um, yeah, I mean, 
pretty disappointing um, not to have taken that chance and maybe some others besides. Um, we only had the one shot on goal as well, again, which, again, is not good enough really at home, is it? Well, that shot on goal was that kind of daisy cutter from Maypay, wasn't it? Mm. I'm assuming yeah. so, yes. Yeah, yeah it, it took a deflection, so I had no pace in it by the time it got to Martinez anyway. Mm. Well, it didn't by the time it left his foot. Mm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no I problem. think he got a massive cheer because it was actually a shot on target. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there wasn't really an awful lot more to say about the game, was there? I think um, Dunk's still getting back into his stride. Of course, you know, he'd, he'd only just about started to do so when he got the suspension. Um, and of course, then he's out again and not able to retain or, or develop the match sharpness. That's one element. Um, I think, as with other teams that have come to the Amex, they've set up in a way that we found hard to break down. But I think, moreover, for me, it seemed to me that we were just lacking the thing that we do when we are playing really well, which is to to zip the ball around with pace and purpose. It it got a bit tired. I, I don't know if it's a lack of belief or confidence, um, lethargy, fatigue, whatever it is, but we just didn't seem to be zipping it around as much as normal, did we? Um, Andy, do you want to go on that? Um, uh, I, I don't think we did, to be honest. I mean, um, I can speak a little bit more about the Burnley game, actually, um, because <clears throat> we might come to a few points of disagreement. But one thing that I think Peter's spot on about, and it's indisputable, is that we don't tend to be very good when teams play a low block against us. We just can't find a way through it. Um, and we can kind of speculate, but um, we just aren't good at it. Now, I expected Burnley to play a low block against us. They didn't. Um, they actually pressed really high up the pitch and compressed the middle of the pitch and were just a little bit more aggressive than us um, and cuter and smarter. Uh, in that game, our defensive frailties were exposed enormously, um, as well sorts of other ones. Um, but our passing in that game surely was really poor. And what we needed to do in that game um, was to play the kind of long diagonal balls in that space left behind due to their kind of slow defence um, pressing up the pitch and that just didn't happen in the Burnley game again I, I'm reluctant to say anything too much more about the Villa game because um, I, I was very involved in the game shouting at that referee who I really didn't like at all <laughs> um, and um, yeah getting frustrated um, getting annoyed with Villa players for their antics as well. Mentioned mm. no names, obviously, Coutinho. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember too much about that game and, and about our passing. But I, I can say we did actually keep Coutinho pretty quiet, I thought, actually, and Ings. Yeah. But in a sense, that didn't matter because we lost 2-0 to... Um, two dreadful defending mistakes. I, 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 I can talk about those if you want me to. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because, I mean, from, from my point of view, I, 
much as I said, the, we have our faults up front. We've got ongoing faults, but we also have this issue quite often, particularly at home, of not passing the ball quickly enough. That is something. But yes, defensive errors have been a problem. Burnley, obviously, and in particular, we had a weakened team. We had Burn recently sold. And then, of course, you've got Webster and Dunk missing for different reasons. In this game, Dunk's back. We still had the errors and we weren't, I mean, we we're playing a four against Burnley, which didn't suit us anyway, I don't think. Um, and the Villa game, although we played at least in some senses a five at the back in that match, I think, again, we, we were looking disjointed. We weren't looking either confident or cohesive enough. So, yeah, I mean, let's talk about it, Andy. And, and the first goal in particular, I mean, well taken though it was by Cash, who can score him from there, can't he? I, I think it was too easy the way they built the play. Um, I don't think we closed and arguably didn't close them down enough on the wing, but particularly we didn't close Cash down earlier. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, sure. he was in utter acres of space. And as you say, we were playing a back five. Mm. Um, I, I can't quite position where Kikarello or March were or whoever was playing kind of left side of midfield. Um but at least one of those should have been in, in much closer proximity um, to, to um, Cash. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone was bunched in to the box that no one was beyond Cash, I don't think. Someone was in line with him, which I think was Solly, if I'm not mistaken. And it's probably him that should have closed down uh, Cash sooner because you could see what was going to happen. As soon as he started lofting the ball in, the second it left the player's foot out on the left wing, it was obvious where it was travelling to because nobody else was anywhere near where the ball was going other than cash. And I, I just think we were just so slow and sluggish. We, I don't know if we we're on the beach way, way too early here. I mean, there's still positions to play for. There's still record points to possibly achieve for us as a club. Um, whether people are recognising the magnitude of that possible achievement. Whether people yeah, above Palace. Yeah, <laughs> keep you above Palace, absolutely. And I mean, in Fasuma's case, he's been accused um, of maybe um, not downing tools, but just not showing the same interest with thoughts going to what, what's going on beyond. I don't know if that's true or not, but it does feel like there's a general lethargy for maybe a, a mixture of reasons. I mean, what, what do you think, Peter? I think there's, yeah, there's just too many players for whatever reason out of form at the moment. I mean, Trossard didn't look anything on Saturday. I didn't you know. He, he barely touched the ball. Of, I think the one thing he actually did do was when, so I actually thought for the first 10 minutes, we started okay. We were, we were pushing forward. We were attacking. Villa then changed their tactics after 10 minutes to kind of, to kind of give us less space. And, and then from there, we didn't really have a response. And that was the problem. And Trossard's one major thing he did was get in the way of the ball from Lamptey to McAllister that would have left McAllister on a penalty spot with a shot on target and nil-nil potentially, which would have had an you know, even better chance than the one he missed later. And instead, Trossard kind of like couldn't turn and get the ball away to anyone, so he lost the ball in the end. And that was his one real contribution to the game. He did he did very little. Bissouma was poor. Um, defensively, we didn't look confident. Lamptey, Lamptey didn't look that confident when running at players, I think. He was normally, when he's one-on-one with a player, he'll give it, put it past them and go at them, but he didn't seem to want to do that for whatever reason. I'm not sure Kukurea, who is obviously one of our best attacking players, wasn't able to get forward because he was a centre-half, effectively. And we just didn't have any sort of... Yeah, once Villa worked out what we were doing after the first 10 minutes, hmm. but we, we just didn't really have an answer to them. And they, they were... They, yes, they did go down very easily. They did kind of, you know, kind of try and, like, cause arguments all the time. Mings was every, in the referee's face all the time, pretty much. Watkins as well. But they, they did a job on us. And, yeah, and I, I, I thought that we... 
didn't know how to deal with it. And once we went one nil down, the only real chance we had was that one that McAllister hit over. That was a real proper. I mean, Basuma hit one or two topple over and that sort of thing, but it wasn't really a, what I'd call a really good chance that we had. We didn't create much. And mm. well, and I, I agree with you on the sense about the four at the back, but I think we can play four at the back. I think we just don't can't play it with the centre halves that are available against Burnley. We can't play it with Duffy, for example. I think if if Duncan and Webster are both fully fit and available, they can play two at two centre halves there because they can both carry the ball separately. They can they can play it. Webster's got some more pace, but with Duffy and Beltman, there wasn't a the height and b the the pace and c the carrying the ball out of the, the fence quality that was able to do that. So you needed that extra centre half. But I think it's, we can, we can do it with Duncan Webster. We've done it pretty well in the past. Where well, you know, well, I, I, I mean, uh, we could do it with. I mean, we played back four quite a lot this season. Actually, we we you know it's not just Duncan Veltman; it's also Byrne has played there, mm. um, and you know I think it was probably the right thing to sell Byrne, but it's effectively weakened our squad um, and may well compromise the number of points that we can get this season. It's coincided awkwardly, yeah. hasn't it, with a couple um, of happening, dunk suspension and where yeah, it's, it's the right long term decision, whether it's the right short term one is mm. it's debatable. And I mean I'm a little bit concerned about Webster because I think he's been out he's had four injuries this season now. Because he had one in pre season, one he was out for quite a while after like Brentford, I think it was, then another couple of games out recently and then this one. It's it's beginning to get slightly concerning that he's having so many injuries. Yes, he's he's replaced Welbeck and um, Lallana and everyone's yeah. concerns on that Yeah, they're point. fine now. <laughs> <laughs> I well, think. L- Lallana was in, in the 18, or oh, 20. For the oh, that's true, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, Veltman can also, also play in a, a back four as a centre-back as long as he's with one of Dunk or Webster. Or, yeah. or even Byrne. Um, hmm. But, Against against Burnley, it was disastrous. And I mean, maybe I will come on to the second goal now. Um, yeah. That was really poor from Veltman. He misjudged the flight ball, and that just reveals something about him that his um, uh, advocates don't really recognise. That he's not very good in the air. A little bit like. Um, um, not many Albion fans would admit that Dunk is slow and that Duff is awful on the ball, ball and slow. Um, I and think most Albion fans look upset about, about Duffy. I think to be, I don't think there's many people who say Duffy's um, distribution is good. Hmm. Um, we, you, but you, you don't get too many people talking about their lack of pace, actually. No, hmm. no I agree with that, especially with Dunk. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it does have those flaws, doesn't it, in the air? And, but frankly, well, if he, I, if he, I, I think his only flaw is yeah. But you know, that's quite an important attribute as a centre back. Hmm. I, I do Obviously. prefer him at fullback. I agree with that. But I think, to be fair, if he was perfect in the air as well, he probably wouldn't be playing for us. I mean, I think Veltman's yeah. as close to a, a guaranteed at least seven out of ten every game player that we we have. But Saturday, as with everyone else, he was below form, below par. Um, and, um, then, and the previous Saturday, when, when someone like yeah, him is below were, par. It's slightly concerning because he's so consistent that... No, I, I, I agree with that completely. Um, and his fine plan as a centre-back in the back three as well. Um, hmm. or, or as the right-back in the, in the back four. Yeah. Um, and he's been 
an absolutely brilliant signing. I mean, pound for pound is is kind of up there with Gross in terms of value for money, really. So maybe Lamptey as well. Um, when we come on to it, but um, yeah. I agree, um, but he just missed. He went. He actually ended up, uh, as somebody said, going from the right side to the wrong side of the of the uh, of the man, didn't he? Um, yeah. Due to that misjudgment of the flight of the ball, mm-hmm. which. But he he rarely um, um, wins the ball at defending corners, and he rarely actually gets too involved in attacking corners either. Um, and I think we may as well just be honest about that. Um, as as much as I think he's he's great, that's that's what his weakness is. Um, it's probably why you played most of his time at Ajax at right back rather than centre back. Hmm. Yeah, and and this is the this is our lot, isn't it? We are, with a few exceptions, if we get a good young talent in, being the exception. Um, if we're getting in players who more experienced, we are going to have players that have got an issue. Either they've got an injury, uh, an ongoing injury issue, or they have got a fault. Even though being very good players, which is the Veltman category. Um, or um, there's going to be something wrong with them in terms of their heads wrong, or some, there'll be something. There'll be a reason why we can get those experienced players. Very rarely we'll get one who's just um, still very good and and is a very rounded player. For example, Wayne Bridge, which was only on loan anyway. I mean, I would he say was injury prone. That was why he came. Even, yeah, even then, because only a... we had a, the one season where he wasn't injury prone. Absolutely, yeah. 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 what you talking about? I thought Upson was cracking. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, we mentioned about, I mean, obviously we, we're at fault for both the goals. There's no doubt about them. Yes, they were well taken, but we gave that opportunity for a, a, a goal to be well taken. Um, in terms of Villa's tactics, I mean, they, I don't think they were particularly great. And that's what's frustrating about this. Um, the fact they've done the double over us with two to nil victories um, is frustrating. Um, their tactics were frustrating as well. We've, we touched on it briefly a moment ago. Um, looking at the, the stats, there are five yellow cards. Martinez, the goalie, which was time-wasting. Cash, Mings, which was, I, I think, when he went storming over from about 150 million yards away to remonstrate about an injury to Kukurea, which seemed genuine to me. Uh, he, Peter, you I, I, I think if we're going to be fair about people like Coutinho, I think Kukurea probably made the most of it as well there. You had a better view from where you were. Which yeah. people only do when, you're, when they're basically not that badly but that brings that brings the accusation that brings the accusation of hypocrisy then doesn't it because that's what Villa were doing the whole way through the bloody game um I mean Martinez Cash Mings uh, David uh, sorry uh, Douglas Luis and Watkins were the other yellow cardies Watkins was the same incident of Mings wasn't it he was he got for the 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 actual whatever it was on uh on Kukurea and then and Mings got booked for running over yeah um, but we ended up with four yellows as well. Uh, the aforementioned Veltman and Kukurea, Basuma and Trossard. And... Two, two of which are in space of like two minutes for both the fouls on Coutinho where they were fouls, but he made so much of them that he basically bought the mm-hmm. books. So this, I think the second one of Veltman, which is right over by the away fans, he let he threw himself up in the air and I could hear him scream almost from the, you know, it was, it was ridiculous. He was clearly not hurt. And then by the time the yellow card was out, he was back up again. And yeah. It was such blatant, you know, and referee bought it. And I, and I agree with Andy, I think the referee was poor. He was, you could tell he was inexperienced and didn't know how to deal with the game. He kind of, he let the players kind of get away with an awful lot. And yeah, I don't think it changed the game. I don't think we'd have won. Or, or was that, no, no, I mean, he, he didn't make a bad decision, but he, 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 there was that mixture of letting too many things go and over-officiousness. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
John Brooks, who's still pretty young to the uh, to the division anyway, isn't he? Um, but you know, no no use to us. It, it was frustrating because I think that took something away from the game as well. Um, but ultimately. And the thing we've really got to talk about here is our home form. Now, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about this. This isn't just a recent thing. It's not just a season-long thing. It's been since Graham's been in charge. Um, Chris Hughes well, and the last and the last year of Hewton as well. I mean, we didn't have a great home record, especially the second half of that Hewton season. Yeah, I mean, it's 12 wins, 21 draws, 18 defeats across 51 home league matches during Grand Potter's reign. Um, an average of 1.12 points and 1.02 goals, which is doesn't make great reading, I have to say. And Chris Hewton had 13 wins from only 38 games at home, averaging 1.36 points and 1.13 goals. So all of those more favourable. Now, obviously, in the grander scheme of things, we're still happier to have Graham than Chris. I think in in you know in the in the broad sense, but in terms of the home form. We could be doing so much better. What do you think this is? What What is the key factor here in us doing worse than we were doing? Just just to turn it around, obviously, we just to say, to balance it out, Hewton, I think, won two away games each season. And obviously, yeah. doing so much better away from home now. It's it's a worry because I think the club will worry about it because it, the money comes that they make comes from home games. So if you're only a home fan... You must be having a pretty miserable season, frankly. I mean, all, all the best moments I can think of this season have been away that I've been to. And I've missed a, quite a few home games anyway, but there haven't been many highlights at home. Um, whereas away from home, we've had some really good performances. Liverpool obviously stands out, drawing at Palace later, all those kind of late draws and that sort of thing. Winning at Watford recently was such a good day. And I mean, if I'm honest, that's pretty the main reason I'm not thinking of giving my season ticket up this season, because I don't want to miss the days like Watford which I can only go to if I have a season ticket. So it's a kind of interesting side issue there. But I mean, I think it has partly got to do with what we were discussing earlier about the, you know, we don't play well against teams who sit deep and teams really can't do that against us at home because their fans will get on their backs. They'll be annoyed because we're still a team who, if you're at the bottom, you'd think we should beat at home and get the points we need to help us survive. But uh, at the Amex, they can come and they can sit deep and we don't quite know how to deal with that at times. And yeah, it's... One how to deal with that. I think that's a really good point, Andy, isn't it? And and also just one other stat, in fact, Andy. Um, four of the, his twelve wins, Graham Potter, have been um, when we didn't have fans there, and mm-hmm. another one was the City game where we have very limited numbers. So I, I, maybe there is something in what Peter's saying there. And the, the the wider point is that it's a bit of a worry, isn't it, that we're having so few games of what you would call full on satisfaction. I mean, you you and I, Andy, I know are. Uh, both very much enjoying the football still, generally speaking. But you have to say the wider fan base who and really not getting to see many wins when all said and done, they want that as well as the good football, don't they? Otherwise, you end up going away disappointed at, at best uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see that view that home fans are irritated by the fact that, um, and it came out, you know, most obviously, in that that Leeds game, um, I would say that the home fans this season have been really poor. Um, yeah, agreed. There was a little run around the Palace game and a few afterwards where, strangely enough, we did a little bit better at home where the fans were good. And I do think that, you know, it's not just about 
the players lifting the fans. I think at times the fans need to lift the, lift the players. And I don't think we've been doing that this season. I mean, uh, I constantly moan about uh, where I sit in the West Upper, uh, on the south side of the West Upper, um, largely because people go there for a moan and largely to moan at our club uh, and our players. Uh, and I just don't think that's what being a fan is all about. Um, uh, and you contrast that with the away fans, who I, I think we must be one of the best away supports um, in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can get that people are f- frustrated and agitated about the home form. Um, but... You know, I'm just going to state the bleeding obvious that when it comes to a table, it's not just the home form, it's the home and the away form. And, you know, there's been, Peter might disagree with me on this, but there's been a big upturn in since Potter's emerged. Um, under Houston, we averaged one point per game. Under Potter, it's 1.13 points per game. Uh, in this season, it's 1.27 points per game. So um, people are talking about us regressing. I don't buy that at all. Um, I do think that Bloom has probably taken a calculated gamble on selling Burn. We weren't going to get much money for him at any other point. Yeah. We've got what to me looks like two, maybe even three, very promising centre-backs that we can insert into our squad. Um, But I do think that if we're going to find, point the finger anywhere, and I I just don't like doing it, that ultimately our players aren't quite good enough when it comes down to it. And you could see the lift, the squad that we got this summer, from um, bringing Cucurella in um, because despite the fact that he hasn't been great in the last couple of games, you know, he's he looks to me like a Spanish international um, and that's what we need to do. We need to augment these players coming through the academy with buying, you know, really kind of top-notch signings. Um, and Obviously, the kind of waiting on of the squad, well, <clears throat> it was certainly the case before Byrne went, uh, um, maybe not quite so much at this current moment in time. But obviously, um, we don't have too many strikers, too, too much in the way of options mm. up, up front, too much in the way of difference. I mean... Um, and that, to me, is also a kind of moneyball-type strategy played by Bloom. Um, you can you can only have 11 players on the pitch at one particular time, and he seems to prefer to have better quality defenders rather than attackers because they cost ridiculous amounts of money, um, not not to buy so much. It's not the transfer fee, it's the wages. It's the ridiculous wages. So, Phyllis, 
I, I dread to think the wages that Villa are paying uh, Watkins, Ings and Coutinho, for instance. Yeah, I absolutely dread to think, think it, but they're paying ridiculous amounts. Um, and Bloom, Black, Bloom just won't do that. And as far as I'm concerned, all, all kudos to him for that. That's that's where we are, and that's what we we need to work around. Um, and um, yeah, the home form's poor, but I think generally things are going well. I don't think they. I don't think we're going to finish in the top half of the table. I don't think we'll finish tenth. I think we'll finish a, a little bit lower down the table than that. Hmm. But to me, that looks like an improvement from. Where we where we've been in the first four seasons in the Premier League? It, it, yeah, I mean you might be right. It would be a shame because we've been top half, uh, barring a handful of days. We've been top half all season. We've dropped below Southampton, so we're no longer kings of the coast. They've called us up with a run of good wins. Well, we've had our bad run, and we, but we are still tenth. And yes, it may we may drop, and but yes, that would still be a good season. And you're right, the away form does make a difference. But Peter, you wanted to come back in, didn't you, on that? Uh, yeah, firstly, on what, what Andrew's saying, I agree that 12th would still be an improvement. I think, as you say, it's, it's the difficulty is that it obviously was much higher and then we drop. And it's so there is a sense of what we could have achieved. I think the club personally were wrong not to sign a couple of players, even on loan in January. I know they don't like loan signings, but given the number of youngsters we have coming through and out on loan, why not get a couple of more experienced players on loan 10th for rest of the season to try and steer us through, with the, especially to replace Burn or whatever? And then you can look again at the end of the season and see who, you know, where Van Hack is, where where Stigard is, where Clark is. But they seem to have this massive obsession not to have anyone on loan, and it just doesn't it make, doesn't make any sense to me, to be honest. I understand that in terms of youngsters like Lamptey or whatever, you want to get someone like that permanently. But why not just get one or two you know players who aren't getting games? We have such a small squad, and given the COVID issues and number of injuries we've had this season, we we're always going to be short. I mean, we've had like three or four young players on the bench about most of the season probably overall, or at least second half of the season anyway. Um, so why not? So that then, which does restrict your options off the bench. Having said that, that doesn't explain why Potter only made one sub on Saturday, which is something I wasn't that impressed with when we, we were basically you know, playing so poorly. Why not take off Trussard or take off Bissouma or take off um, you know, any number of players who were playing poorly and give them a march and you know, a great game? You know, there are so many players who are off form. Surely they well, might change that other than just Welbeck when Modric uh, was one of other players and he was taken off. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's probably a legitimate um, criticism of Potter uh, in that particular occasion. But if you look at the bench, there really weren't too many options. I mean, I, I agree that Trossard was poor and probably um, deserved to come off. But you can imagine the kind of groans that would emanate um, and kind of criticisms if he were to take one of our attacking players off and we need to get some goals. Um, I've got to be honest, the only player that I would have bought on from the bench that was on the bench was Alzate. Um, and I think he probably hasn't played quite as much as he deserves to, having put in that stunning performance against Chelsea mm-hmm. before. Um uh but you know one thing that I will say is well done to Potter for Blood and Ferguson, but Ferguson is not ready. He really is not ready. I mean he's he's shown that this is such a big 
jump, not in, only in terms of quality, but in terms of physicality. And, um, he, he needs a loan somewhere, doesn't he? To get yeah, he does. And, and that's not going to happen until next season. Yeah. Now, is it? Um, hmm. It'd be nice if he could, you know, if we were to get, you know, do a better, at least have it one start or at least a half hour or something like that longer to get, because just how far off he is, whatever sort of thing. I mean, I, I really hope Casido gets some games because he's obviously highly rated. He's He's done pretty well against Brazil um, for Ecuador. I mean, I, I agree with you about the limited options, and that's the fault of the, the club for not bringing anyone in. I know, because they, we were having injuries already. Wepu's obviously had quite a lot of injuries this season. Webster's had quite a few injuries this season. It wasn't. It's not surprising that they and Lalana, who's obviously been in and out in previous seasons, and Welbeck might not play most some games. You know, it's it, Dunk was just coming back from injury when we sold Burn. They should have. I still think they should have bought one or two, even on loan, in just to kind of cover us for the rest of the season. So, I mean, I think finishing the problem is if we end up having a bad run and finishing like 14th. That doesn't look good to new players who might want to sign. Whereas if we finish 10th, we could have said to players, well, you're not signing for a bottom six club. You're signing for a mid-table Premier League team. And that's a more attractive proposition for new potential signings. And the money, of course, from finishing higher gives us yeah. more firepower. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on, on the on loan, um, you know, the, the club obviously don't want to do it. Yeah, um, I, but, I just don't understand the logic of it. Sometimes it's like, well, no, I, I, I do. I completely understand the logic of it. What we, what we say to players is, we're a stepping stone for your career. Um, we'll, we'll play you in the Premier League. Um, you'll get game time in the Premier League with us, and we won't stand in your way so long as a decent enough offer comes in for you. Um, you know, I hate to mention them, but. Palace have got Gallagher on loan and you know imagine what we would have been like this season if we had Gallagher on loan yeah. um, but their their problem will be next season because they're not they're not buying Gallagher they can't afford to buy Gallagher yeah and then of course if, you're, if you put yourself shelf. forward as that sort of club you then get the next Gallagher on loan next season and mm. you can have you know, there's, there's, it's not only one player is available on loan, so you get another player in equivalent. And you can. It's developing a different club's players, though, isn't it? And I think Bloom yes, is and, and that's why I wasn't suggesting getting a young player. Yeah. I meant just a couple of players who are maybe a bit out of favour somewhere. You know, in a, a slightly bigger club mm. who maybe could fill fill in temporarily. I wasn't suggesting bringing young players on loan. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is difficult. I mean, a lot will be pointed towards next season as well because. I mean, and I listened to the Albion Raw podcast. Ad and Alan had on. Um, I think his name's Scott Coyne, who runs the. I think it's called the Belgian Podcast. It's the number one podcast about Belgian football in the English language. I think that's the right description. Um, and he was saying that he thinks, obviously, first of all, we got three players on loan at Union Saint Gilloise, and all three of those players are doing really well at USG. And um, obviously, Undav is going to come here next season. That's that's clear. Um, but his suggestion was that he thinks that um, the players will come back to us, all three of them, in the summer, but that he wouldn't be surprised if Mitoma and um, Kozlowski don't go back out, or at least one of them goes back out on loan to Union next season, which may or may not be the case. I really don't know where they're at, to be honest. Um, but the fact that he thinks that might be a thing suggests maybe that they're doing very well, but there's also a little bit still... Still to go in terms of. He's not played, has he? I thought. I don't think he's. Well, yeah, I think. I think in his case, it's more a matter of actually getting more games, isn't it? Um, and that would, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't go back there next season. But with Mitoma, 
you know, he seems like a player, and obviously Undav as well, who who could add something in that key area. Yeah. Struggling. And, and at 25, you kind of think, well, mm. is he really going to? I mean, there's a few players they've got to make decisions on, like Clark, I think, especially he's been out on loan three years. You know, I think he's coming to the last year of his contract. They yeah. make a decision on Clark. He either to sell him or to, to play him. I think he goes. I, I don't. I'm not convinced that we're convinced about him. Um, and yeah, I'm not convinced, I'm not case, I'm convinced either. Fine. Van Heck and Kadra, where did they go from there? I, I, I think um, we might see Clark integrated into the squad next year yeah. because he's a left-footed centre-back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, there is that. And yeah. we've lost um, uh, um, Burnham in oh, yeah. front. And frankly, um, did anyone think Dan Burnham was a regular Premier League or, or you know, yeah. a big option? Fair point. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so, it's, I mean, Clark's probably played just as much in that level and... You know, and he's quite a bit younger than when Byrne came here. So, you know, if he's like fourth or third or fourth choice, Van Heck and Kadra again, where do they go from there? If they don't come in to us, do they just play the same division again? Or do we try to boat, you know, in somewhere like Germany or something like that and see if they can get like, a loan club over well, there? I really want I, to... I, I suspect we'll see those those two. Um, yeah. I, I, I think those two might do all right, actually. I, I have my doubts about Matoma for the same kind of reason that. I had my, um, unlike Russell, um, I had my doubts about Percy Tower as well. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just the age. Yeah. It's the age and, you know, that you, you haven't shone in that particular league. Whereas Trossard had shone in that league at, at the age of 24. You no, know, he was fair, Tal didn't shine in a couple of years there, did he really? Whereas, yeah. Only had one season coming over from another continent, and as well, I suppose Tal did the same. But yeah, yeah. I agree with you. It's, it's difficult. But Undav is shining as yeah. well, and I, I, you know, I know it's stupid to look at it and read too much into it. But I've seen his his goals this season, and he's a goal scorer. And again, going and back, he, to that and he's quite point. strong as well, isn't he? Which is something we need. We need some strength and height in the box to to aim for a bit, you know, who seem to, and that hopefully if he can, if he's quite decent in the air, will help us at home when we can't get, you know, it's difficult for us to break teams down. Yeah. The other thing on that, on that Belgian podcast, um, the Belgian podcast was saying that um, it's uh, a case of he is a proper centre forward and he's an instinctive player in terms of he will try and get his shots off early. So he's not going to hang around. And that's been something I think we've been accused of doing too often is, dithering on the ball, just giving that half a second for players to get the block in. How many times have we had shots blocked this season? It feels like forever it's happening. But um, he, The irony is Mopé scores his, most of his goals, but he doesn't dither, and he just yes. you know, pretty much hits it yeah. straight without anything. Yeah. So I do think Undav, Undav will certainly add a lot. Mitoma, uh, you know, it remains to be seen, but I think he could be interesting. But um, I think Undav scored, what is it, 20 goals, and he's the top scorer in the Jupiler this season. So it's likely that um, he's he's more likely to succeed. Um, next I mean, he, he is called Gert Müller, isn't he? That's one of his nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> if he's half as good as Gert Müller, we'll do pretty well out of him. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, I don't know if we kind of, I think we kind of went off slightly the topic where I was going to come in on originally, but in terms mm-hmm. of home side. So from a, so I think Andy and I had very different days on Saturday because obviously you obviously had a really good day out and, the football was was kind of a sideshow. I spent three hours getting to the game um, and three hours getting back because of the crap trains on offer and all that sort of thing. And, it, and I think it does kind of cloud your view there in, in a lot of ways because to me, it was just the kind of completion of a really kind of crappy transport day and 
we went into Brighton and tried to get paid for to eat and ended up having to go to a pretty average place because no everybody else was fully booked and all that sort of thing. And it kind of was a an, an end or middle part of a pretty crappy day. And I think my my issue is that the home experience has become nowhere near as fun as the away experience. It's so I've always enjoyed away games to a degree more, but now it's like so much more. It's it's without one of my regular words, ridiculous. I mean, for me, the the, the games have been moved so much this season. We've had three. Saturday 3 p.m. home games up to the beginning of April it'll be, and we away games we've had a lot more Saturday or three o'clock at home away games than home games for whatever reason. I don't know if Sky like coming and BT like coming to Brighton or something, but I think we've had more than half. No, what, what what it is in terms of the broadcasters is that they have to play us a certain amount of times, yeah. and they get us out the way at the beginning of the season, so that they don't have to show us. At the end of the season, mm. when, things... when, they to, when they want to show the big six or whatever, yeah. mm. but Even it's been more a lot more home than away, though, which is you know interesting. I think we've probably probably had two thirds of our away games. I think have been Saturday three o'clock, the yeah. one supposed to be. So it's it's a, and yeah, obviously it's some things that are you know beyond the control. You know, like the Tottenham game moving because of you know because of COVID and that sort of thing. But and it was moved because of Europe. But and I think the, the, that's quite a part of the problem. Right? And the club had. Two Saturday 3 p.m. home games finally after seven months and a combination of trains being absolutely crap and games. the weather being dreadful and then two of our worst performances of the season or certainly one of our worst performances of the season and, and then a, a, a pretty average one at best. And you're not getting a <laughs> yeah. decent meal as well. That's a time when people are thinking about whether they want to renew their season ticket. I think it could not have been a worse timing overall for the, for the club generally in, in terms of renewals. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, one reason why I had a good time on Saturday is normally I don't do um, um, festivities before a home game, <laughs> um, whereas I do on an away game. Um, but because our friend Tim was over from Switzerland. Yeah, friend uh, of the show. Hello, just, Tim. <laughs> just, just seemed like good idea really and it was yeah. a great idea and it was assisted by the delay kickoff because it gave us longer to drink in the sunshine actually outside the basket makers which were yeah. which is what we were doing at that stage yeah, um, but, you know, Peter if, if this helps at all um, I've got to get the 748 from King's Cross up to Newcastle on Saturday and there's a rail, um, bus replacement between Brighton and and um, London again. So um, I, I mean, I realise we get the benefit for the yeah the equivalent benefit for most away games anyway north of London or just being in London. Yeah, it's yeah. so like Watford. Obviously, I, we just like got a half hour train into Watford, and that was it. That was literally the travel for the game. Yeah. I think it's yeah, part but, of the reason that for me away away games is so much better than home games as well. It's like because every other thing. Sense. Because we're doing so well so often with the away games, that, that gap is stretching. Yeah. Home's getting more disappointing than usual. Away games, in terms of results, are getting better than usual. Plus, you've got the whole day trip element as well. Yeah. Um, well, I, think, I, I mean, I, I, I think what's important here is, and you two are exemplars of this, is that Brighton's um, support is pretty dispersed because we've got such a large ca- catchment area. Yeah. Um, and therefore, there are these kind of variable experiences that, that people have. Um, you know, um, 
I'm not one of the barber outs, but barber really does like talking about the match day experience. And what I think you're expressing, Peter, is it's been dreadful. Yeah, I'm, it has been. Yeah, I think it's, and I think what you're saying about the crowd, it's a bit of a, a bit of a three sixty, isn't it? It's a bit of a kind of a vicious circle because the more the crowd isn't happy, is a bit restless, the more they won't, the experience will be crap because you'll be like in a crowd that's a bit kind of moaning and. But then the more that happens, the more the moans there will be as well. Then so it's kind of it's just, you know it kind of it's a, it is a vicious circle, and we end up with a a lot of dissatisfied fans. And to be fair, I was actually I didn't I didn't stay. We were like wanting to get a train to Brighton quickly, so we we left just to be in of injury time because we were obviously not getting a goal back. But there wasn't actually that many. There wasn't really any. But one boo I heard at half time, which surprised because I thought given what happened against Leeds and, and then the previous weekend, there might actually be some boos. Mm, possibly, I don't think there should be. I don't think there was against Burnley. Although I have to confess, we did leave a couple of minutes before the final whistle. Yeah, there, the there was a bit. There was a bit on full time, to be honest. But I don't think Graham Potter would have taken exception to it as much as he had in the uh, the yeah, previous. I, mean, I, I don't boo the team off, but I don't think it helps them. I think, I think they're well aware they didn't perform to their potential of us two home games and me you know them is not going to assist that so I just, I just don't see the point but given what happened with Leeds when we actually played pretty well and I, and I think overall I actually don't think we played that great at home this season whereas last year we were creating chance after chance and missing them this year I think to a degree especially at home we've often got results that maybe not we didn't deserve but that we you know, we, when we've won games like Leicester, we've won not slightly fortunately arguing against Leicester because they had two goals probably would have gone in otherwise. And, you know, often we, we played well, but even then we, were, we didn't need to because Watford were home, but uh, the Amex were dreadful as they were at Vickers Road as well. So we've not had, I can't think, really think of a home game where we've played well the whole game. We've had good spells and good times, but... Chelsea, I thought, were really good in that game. Yeah, Chelsea, yeah, to be fair, that was a good one. Yeah. But in terms of the, the, the issue with the home games, I mean... Five or six people I've spoken to, from people I know, um, have said they're in serious doubts about whether they would renew or not. Either they have decided to, after some serious thought, or they have actually decided not to renew. And that's, okay. a microcosmic representation of the wider fan base at home. But And Peter, obviously, I include you on that as one of the people that discussed the matter yourself. Um, But I know two people in particular who are definitely giving up their season tickets. there's going to be various reasons for this. Obviously, the football could be one reason, possibly, but I think moreover, it's going to be. I think there was a, a debate on North Stand chat apparently about yeah, this as well. Say exactly that, yeah. Yeah, where they, they were talking about various reasons. Obviously, there may be changes of circumstance, the usual churn. People have moved abroad for work, or the circumstances are, diff- are different in terms of availability on weekends and evenings. Um, there might be other home circumstances, financial reasons. Um, but I do think issues like the ongoing and seemingly ever worsening travel stresses coupled with the number of games that are not on uh, three o'clock on a Saturday or another similarly favourable time are all component elements. I think it's going to be a combination, isn't it? For most people, it'll be a collective reason. I um, think a lot of people also will have financial reasons at the moment. Yeah, because of what's happened the last couple of years. people who cancel, the more chance there will then be to go to random games at the Amps. So, I mean, it, yeah. if you don't go to away games, unless you're literally going to pretty much every game, it probably isn't worth having a season ticket. 
Dare yeah. I say the Paul Barber ticket exchange element as yeah. well? You know, if you can't Probably, give it to friends, yeah, let's I mean, to hang on to I it. I think that's another big problem. We've had a lot more empty seats this year because of Paul Barber's decision to mm. basically charge fans for their own season ticket, yeah. which they're still doing next year. They've clearly not listened, you know, they've got one free game. But and when I say give it to friends, I mean a few games this season to, to unplanned. Yeah. So I didn't plan to, but just for various circumstances, coming the things coming up. Uh, and my seats are empty for most of those. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's the same. I think it's the fact that you can now buy tickets. It feels like I think it's become apparent that you can buy tickets on the day more often as, as, as another reason for discouragement of buying the season ticket is the fact that you can go, you can pick and choose basically. So if you have yeah. got a game with a rail replacement and it's on a 5.30 kickoff, for example, or a 12.30 kickoff where that's going or to be. 8 p.m. on Boxing Day. Yeah. Or yes, exactly. 8 p.m. on Boxing Day. Then you can pick and choose. Whereas you're, you're not losing money and you're not trying to sell even using the ticket exchange scheme, that ticket, say, for example, on Boxing Day, I wouldn't have been able to get rid of that, um, whether it's even if it's free, because it's such a shit, shit time to have the game, quite frankly. And no transport. Other, no. other matters yeah. going on on Boxing Day. I mean, you, you two might know this, but my impression is that we've got a massive proportion of um, our seats as season tickets, you know, far higher comparatively to most yes. other clubs and that just gets exacerbated and yeah it, it's quite obviously been a mistake um, I mean I, I, to have this um, charging for somebody else to use your season ticket um, I would imagine that Barber did that because of the amount of money that's been lost over the pandemic period um, and we can't kind of forget that um, but in terms of the season ticket, um, yes, Barbara likes to talk about the reduced cost, but there's also reduced cost for the club um, uh, in taking out season ticket because they don't have to issue and pay for the staff for 19 different tickets, effectively. Um, but ov- obviously the, the exchange that he's in- introduced just introduces even more layers of bureaucracy. Um, and obviously what happened beforehand, which was um, people shared their own particular ticket, ensured that there were more people in the stadium. Um, and Peter, I, one thing I will differ with what you've said is um, uh, you said that the club get most of the money from home games. Um well, they don't. They they get it from TV, which is why we're showing. What I meant was compared over. to away games. Yeah, yeah, no, obviously. I mean, that's the case, and um, the point about more bums on seats and more catering, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But and I, I realise that I, I, yeah, I don't even think the money comes from TV these days, yeah. mainly. I, I don't. I don't think the club even get that much money out of catering. Really, it's Sodexo that does, isn't it? I think. But they do when Tim's in town buying 11 yes. at the half time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, there's more to that than meets the eye. But yes, um, uh, no, I mean, in general, though, yes, I, I think it's a concern. Uh, yes, we do have more season tickets than the average person, uh, the average club, sorry, in terms of, you know, um, we, we could probably afford to lose more as long as those people are still coming to a lot of games. Um, because, yeah, then it's not so bad. But nonetheless, it's a bit of a concern from the big bubble, the, the feel-good thing that was going on before we you could, virtually couldn't get the tickets for love nor money. And I know some games, Liverpool sold out 
Uh, Newcastle away has sold out, which is a great effort for a game that's uh, other end of the country when we've had a lot of games in a short period. Um, it's you know, it's fair. I enough. think away games aren't on issue, and I think in a way, I, I, I take Andy's point that this is, I mean, potentially going to be the best season ever, and and all that. But I, I think in a way, there's this much discontent that I see in our best season ever. It is a worry for the club. It's you know, it's, yeah, it's odd, isn't it? For the league, you could kind of understand it more, but because we're actually top half Premier League and there's still this much discontent, it shows the club are doing something wrong somewhere. Well, let's go back to the initial question, and I'll let me say a few things more because I I think Peter's spot on. Um, I've already made this point that um, we're not very good at breaking down teams that play with a deep low block. With a, whatever you want to call it. Um, the only way that I can really think around that um, without substantially better players and the way in which, you know, Guardiola has proved to be a master at kind of breaking down teams that sit deep because that's that's what they, they do against them every single week, home or away. Um, they'll do that. Is to buy somebody that's really good in the air and put in some decent crosses. Um, uh, um, so I did just actually have a look through um, the home games this season, and you're right, Peter. Um, we haven't played that well this season at home. Um, I mean, I'm, um, I mentioned the Chelsea game um uh, I, I concede your point about Leicester. I think we were a little bit lucky in there. I, I know we're not supposed to say that um, things went Brighton's way on Brighton Rock podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm of the view that um, that was a um, clear red card dunk, I'm afraid to say. Let's okay. get into an extended argument about that. Um, um, the Liverpool game. Uh, uh, the uh, Manu game. Yeah, in the Manu game. Yeah. Um, so um, we haven't played that well. And I'm not even sure that we've played that well away from home either. In I think quite often it's been the late goals that have yeah. been... It was, yeah, that, that Liverpool away is the obvious standout. Yeah, yeah, we were second we're, we're best at Southampton, for example, weren't we? Yeah. Um, we didn't I mean, but, but we always are when we go to Southampton. Yeah. Um, and, but we always seem to manage to yeah. pull it back. Um, Palace as well. But just just note how different that was from what we were saying last season. Um, because, uh, you know, everyone was saying XG were a load of nonsense, but we were playing really exciting football and deserved to be higher at the table than where we finished. Mm. Um, uh, and it does show something different this season, which may well be resilience. Um and we haven't taken the lead very much this season, whereas last season we did most games and then gave away so many points from ahead. Whereas this year, I think I think we've only dropped points against Newcastle having taken the lead. Every other game, all the wins except Burnley, we took we, we scored first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burnley, we, we came from behind to win. Mm. And uh, any other games? No. Newcastle's the yeah. only game that we've dropped points where we've been ahead, but then yeah. we've been ahead about eight games or something. Yeah, I mean, that that was a frustrating performance. That really did frustrate me. I've got to be honest, that one. Um, mm. well, a few games recently over the season. Villa was another one, although that was quite late. Villa away. We fell apart a bit after conceding. 
I thought against Newcastle and in the end we're holding on and Villa away we did as well when we went one nil down we kind of we then just lost our way completely and they looked obviously came forward they got some confidence from that and to a degree Saturday as well I mean we got yeah. the first minutes we looked really bright Saturday um, but then yeah whatever it was and that Villa away game and I know you've talked about it an awful lot I think Watkins did score in the 83rd 84th minute um, and you know, we obviously had to go for it, and we we did completely lose our shape in that mm. game. It just didn't work out. I, I suppose also one of the things that I'm kind of saying is that I don't expect us to be brilliant in every game. Um, you know, there will be ups and downs, and you know, um, Burnley was the worst. I mean, Potter's even admitted that um, that was really really poor. Um, you know, that was up there with a couple of games that I went to, I think, in the first season, away games, Huddersfield away and West Brom away. They were dreadful. Oh, they were, yeah, they were awful. <laughs> experiences. Um, Huddersfield away where Shilose made his, his debut or something like that. It was like mm-hmm. the worst performance I think I've ever seen from an Albion player in the top flight. It was like... Yeah. And we, we will... Half time. We will keep going at teams, won't we? I mean, it's, it's credit in some senses, but it's not completely gung-ho in the Bielsa sense, but we will still keep pushing, and that's why we've got late equalisers. It's no coincidence we lost both the Villa games 2-0 and the Man United game 2-0 because we still were trying to go for an equaliser. Mm-hmm. We weren't sitting back and thinking, OK, we'll just uh, uh, we'll just sit in here and, and maybe we'll get a counter and we'll, we'll take our lot. We were still trying to get the result. And also when we're drawing, we still keep trying to go forward. Um, which is credit to us. I think we've maybe we've got fitter this season, and that's been part of the reason we've been able to get so many late goals because we obviously keep going. And uh, and that's yeah, we're, that's we're, we're also more experienced, and that's yeah, that's, that's another reason why I, I am a lot more positive. Is um, we're more experienced, but we've still got a pretty young squad or whatever. And to me, the you know I want to see these players develop. Um, mm. I think it's it's the best model that we can have within our budget as a club. Um, and, you know, I'm grateful for Bloom's millions, but I'm almost more grateful for his business acumen and the way in which he's running the club. And to me, that's a really exciting model. Yeah. Um, it just seems to be coming up. Um, it seems as though Southampton have rediscovered it. And um, after a long time where it looked as though they'd lost it, um, and yeah, they're looking really solid at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, so uh, impressive. Think things are working for them, which yeah. obviously they aren't for us. And you know, um, Peter's right. That, um, I mean, for during 2021, I was saying that Trossard was clearly our player of the season. He's, he's been really poor since then. He um, had COVID that kept him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The- yeah, so of, that, know, the, um, that might be a break. So he may still be, re- yeah, recovering from that. I mean, there is a lot of talk about Basima, who's obviously been our best player over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, I thought he was amazing against Tottenham. Um, yeah. About the only player that was amazing against Tottenham on our team, actually. And um, he came on at Watford as well. He and McAllister completely changed the second half. Cause yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right on that. But he. He hasn't been good for the last couple of games. So, um, and that could I, just be fatigue. I, I, think, as much people, as I the... think people are being a little bit unfair on the scene at the moment, especially 
given what he's done for us. But um, McAllister hasn't been great since he went to Argentina, has he? Um, and he had COVID he, as well. Yeah, he he was in the yeah, he was an amazing run of form just before he went. Um, and again, you know, except Matt, Watford, where although Watford weren't very good, he and Basuma both came on and changed the game because yeah. Watford had just hit the bar and looked like they might push for an equaliser, and then they completely shut them out between them. We they didn't barely got a touch after those two came on. And you know, made a very exciting player, but he spent too much time with Levana. Um, in terms of his finishing, think, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think that's a little bit unfair because I think yeah. Maida has been exceptionally unlucky. Yeah, um, he's forced a good save from the keeper and hit the bar with a brilliant effort. So, yeah. as, as compared to Lallana, yeah. and uh, against Watford, he he had two or three yeah. really good efforts as well that were were very very unlucky. I mean, calm, I'm, I'm very excited about him because um, he put such a shift in. Um, and he runs beyond the defence. I think he's about our only player that will run beyond the defence. I mean, McAllister can ghost into some really good positions um, in, in terms of goal-scoring opportunities. Um, and Moepu is really, really dynamic. I, I, but I don't know to what extent he runs beyond um, the forward line. And, and, That's all at the moment. Yeah. And so we arrive at part two. Still with Andy, still with Peter, and still with me, Russell. We are now going to talk about a variety of other things, some Albion related and some not. A quick kind of fast track type of thing, really. Um, so first of all, um, Kadra, really Kadra. He's doing rather well. Um, the previous match, I think that it was a midweek game before the weekend, he was um, pretty violently um, fouled in a, in a thankfully not... Um, serious incident from his um, health point of view. Um, player got sent off. Um, he went on to then recover, carry on playing well, won a penalty um, rather well after a good break forward. Um, he did have it saved, although it was a good save. Um, had a good game in general. Fast forward to the weekend. He scores the only goal of the game. 77th minute winner in the game against QPR, a decent side um, at Ewood Park. And Van Hecker apparently is man of the match. Things still going well for those guys. And I think it was on Albion Unlimited. There was a an interview that I think it was Johnny Cantor did with someone from, um, who was well, a Blackburn journalist, uh, or covering Blackburn Rovers anyway. And he was very glowing of both players saying they're they're really doing well they're really developing well and that Van Hecker very much is the part to be a future Premier League player of very good standing so tying in with our debate earlier about Matt Clark and um, I guess that's one thing of, of discussion um so I don't know Andy first of all to you um I mean you may not have seen much of Van Hecker but this bodes well doesn't it overall no it does I mean the, and the player that I, I don't think we've really mentioned is Ostergaard um who's who's doing well Wherever he is out on loan at the moment, is it Genoa? Genoa, yeah. yeah. Uh, lovely yeah. city, by the way. Yes, it's great, there. isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Um, so I still think that you know, two out, two maybe even three of them will make it into our first team squad for next season. Um, I think we probably should look to move Duffy on. Um, 
he's not going to play much. Um, I wasn't too impressed with him against Burnley, especially his um, taking on big Bob Sanchez. Um, and uh, I think Duffy is just a, a cute defender and he's not a potted defender. Um, he did very well earlier on the season. It was it was good to see, see it. He's been an amazing servant. But, you know, with Duffy, with Dunk, with Veltman, um, we've got three players that are 30 or thereabouts. Um, we've just... That's another reason why I wasn't disappointed about losing Byrne, is that he was of, of a similar age. And, and Webster's, what, 27? is a couple of years younger than them, two or three years younger than them. Um, so in terms of the age profile um, of our centre-backs, um, yeah, we did need to move things on. Um, but to me, the the kind of players out on loan look, look pretty good when it comes down to it. Um, there's a few that really haven't worked out. Um, things have gone quite unsecure, for instance, at the moment. Mm. Seema's obviously been a bit of a disaster. He's still not playing at stake. Um, uh, um, Taylor Richards was a bit of a disaster in terms of his medical injury. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? Injured no, more medical. He got injured yeah, doing some sort of exercise doing his medical, yeah. Okay. And he only just played for the first time. He, came, he was on the bench this like, weekend for the first time. So he's out for a month after injuring himself during his medical which is an unusual thing to happen. I've never heard that happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Connolly's not doing great at the moment. And I suppose that point just reinforces what I've said earlier, is that we've kind of weakened our squad in, in, in the January window um, in loaning out Connolly and Byrne. And, OK, Casado's come back, but um, the squad is looking pretty thin at the moment. I would say. Um, and I think that was a calculated gamble on Bloom's behalf. Um, that one of the, uh, um, that effectively he thinks that we're safe this season. And one of the things that I suppose the project and um, that he's looking to, um, and that was involved with, you know, Ashworth. I, I don't think um, we probably mentioned John Morling either. You know, we, we've lost some some people. Um, it, it looks as though things have thinned out at the moment. I I suspect that there are you know really good succession plans coming through, um, but things don't look great at the moment. Um, but I would think that Potter and Bloom and maybe Ashworth and Barber. Um, sat down and said, well, the whole idea of you is to coach and blood young players. Um, that's what I want to do. I, I want to focus on the academy. That's where all the money's going. Is It's not on expensive signings. You know, Cucurella that I was talking about earlier, he is pretty unusual in terms of what, what we did, what we do um, in terms of signings. And I do think that we need to, we probably need two or three of those in the summer to come through alongside these youngsters coming through. You know, obviously we've met, missed Samiento, who I mm. think Potter does rate 
uh, on the basis of the fact that um, he's signed a five-year contract, hasn't he? A new five-year contract. and um, um, While injured as well. Yeah, while injured. And the <laughs> fact that he played against Leeds, got booed, which I thought was disgraceful, um, and then started against West Ham and then got injured almost immediately in that. Um, so, hmm. yeah, I mean, and if you look at our opponents during March, um, you know, I, I can't see things really getting too much better in a hurry, to be honest. Um, so I, I'm preparing for the gloom to set in. But, um, yeah. So I, I don't even mind if we play Liverpool and Tottenham and lose. It's the, if we play if we play better than we have done the last few games and give a good performance, that's, I think, where the sign will be. We could go through next month getting one point or whatever, if it does, even, even if we play City, but at least play better and at least look like we're the team that we have been in the past. And that, would, I know it wouldn't you know, it would satisfy a lot of people, but it would to me that would satisfy me. I'd be like, well, that's fair enough. It's the well, fact that we certainly Burnley and to a degree Villa, we've been well below par, and it's slightly concerning there. Well, especially given what's going on with Ukraine and Russia, um, and that all of a sudden people realise the stench that money's um, had in football that I really do want to beat. Newcastle, um, yeah, because um, would you love it if we beat them? Yeah, I would love it then because um, Saudi Arabia have been involved in not similar things to what Putin's up to at the moment as well. Um, just less, that's just less publicised. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we won't we won't touch on um, well the situation with Ukraine and Russia um, really on here. I don't think we've really talked about it on this, but I mean that's a whole new political ball game that one isn't it really other than to say that since we were last on air um fifa have well uefa have um banned um football FIFA. uh well yeah, yeah both isn't it have, have, have banned um russia and belarus who've kind of been complicit i suppose you could call it in the invasion um from all sporting activities um in fact i think it's going that way isn't it but certainly in football terms Poland, Czech Republic and Sweden, who were, well, Poland were the definite World Cup playoff hosts for their game with Russia. Um, they've refused to play. The Czechs and the Swedes, who would have been the opponents should Russia have beaten the Poland, have also said they'd refuse to play. England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales and various other nations have also said should they qualify and they were playing them in the tournaments, the World Cup or other tournaments, they weren't going to play them either. So pretty much they were forced to do what they should have done very immediately in the first place, yeah. which was to, to declare a ban. And until Yeah, as point, always, FIFA come on. out of it looking, eventually making the right decision, but looking like they didn't really yeah. want it in the first place because of... Uh, Slow and inept. Slow and inept. In fact, you say you always eventually make the right decision. I think eventually they usually make the wrong decision. Yeah. Well, in this case, they made eventually made the yeah. right decision. But yeah, I think the suggestion is that Infantino and Putin are quite good mates. So it's like uh, yeah. the Russian yeah. number of times. So yeah. It's- you wonder no, why I mean, that happens. Infantino is 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 very quickly growing in my um into my one of my least favourite um administrators, shall we say. Are you, you gonna start wishing for Blatter back soon? No, I am Ooh. not. But he he's he's pushing hard on Blatter's but, coattails nowadays. I mean the whole in, in his there, statement in his statement he didn't me- mention Putin or Russia. Um mm. so yeah. Make of that what you will. <laughs> exactly. 
And the Russian FA head, who's the guy who tried to completely and utterly dismiss the the gravity of the racism that occurred uh, for English football players, black players, um, is the same guy that was outraged that, uh, you know, sanctions were going to be imposed. Um, go figure, as they say on that one. Um, but anyway, well, that's a digression. But really, I mean, obviously, the situation in Ukraine is awful. Yeah. It's ongoing. It's intransigent. It's, it's, it's changing all the time. So we, we won't, won't go into too much on that other than to say I'm, I'm glad that the right decisions are being made for now. I wish we'd had more representation at the game, actually. I, filler. I wore my yellow Albion away shirt, um, Murray Mark II vintage. Um, but it weren't, well, weren't... We are wearing yellow and blue against Newcastle. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Which is good. And, and the club's donating anything, I think, this evening that's been bought in the club shops going to the Red Cross. Brilliant Red Cross, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay, I hadn't picked up on that. That's that's brilliant news. That's really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's great. One thing, actually, speaking of people that are annoying me and administrators in particular, just one word on Villa again. Christian Perslow, I don't know if you heard what was said there. There was some stuff going oh, yeah. on, on social media where Villa fans were complaining that they needed a defensive midfielder or a central midfielder and they were clamoring to say let just get your you know your wallet out and pay 150 mil for Basuma if necessary get him in and then Perslow came back with wouldn't pay 10 million for him given the way he was playing on Saturday well I think just quote that to Basuma whenever he's thinking if he's ever thinking of going to Villa yeah well I mean Villa has shown a pretty much a lack of class in the whole thing anyway Gerard coming out and talking about Basuma which I mean Potter is literally will never talk about a player. Even if we're about to sign him, or we're going to sign him in an hour, he'll say he's not our player, I can't talk about him. Then Gerard showed a complete lack of class, I thought, with the, the talking about the offer from Visuma and all that sort of thing. I thought it was, yeah, it showed a lack of class and it, it sums up Villa as a club, I think, generally as well. There well are... You're talking about the £30 million offer made by Christian Perslow, are you? Yeah, personally. <laughs> yes, Perslow, yeah. not great, not... Not well liked I, I was going to touching on the loan thing. Now I was going to say that I, I agree with a lot with what Andy says. I think we we could end up with two more centre halves from back from loans next season because I think Duffy will go, and I think they would have sold him last summer. But I think the, the Celtic thing kind of tainted him, and people thought maybe he wasn't the effective player he was. I think people have seen enough this season to know if he's a regular player in their team and they play the tactics that suit him that he'll do pretty well for them generally. Someone like Burnley or whatever may well go, you know, put, give us some money for him. So I think he'll go. And I think one of one of Clark and Ostergaard and then Van Heck will come in and will give us more options at the back, maybe a bit more pace as well. In, I think Van Heck's reasonably quick. I think the interesting question is going to be what we do in midfield, assuming that we all think Zuma's going. What yeah. happens there? Do they try and cover it with players from the inside or do they actually spend some of that Zuma money on a replacement as well as on maybe, I mean, I know they're spending money on that window, but I still think maybe they could be one more expensive signing further forward. And I do wonder whether we want one or two more options at win back as well with Lamps' injuries, whether we want, you know, the options we have down the right, especially when Lamps is not, when Lamps is injured, change our tactics quite a lot because his pace is something we can't replicate. And whether we could, in an ideal world, you find someone who can play right or left wing back and can cover both and can compete with Kukurea and Lampsy. Um, and offer that sort of pace going up and down. But, yeah, whether that's realistic or not, I don't know. But we do, with, without Lamptey, we do lack pace, and, I, and it's a problem. And with his injury issues, and also with us up the chance, if he has a good half season next season, the start, I don't think he'll get an offer in the summer. We might get a January offer for him as well. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, on that, um, we were sniffing around Livermento last summer, and, you know, it... 
he he looks exactly the kind of player that would have enhanced us because it would allow Lampty to play higher up the pitch, effectively. In terms of midfield, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit torn on that because you know Lallana has largely been good. His finishing is dreadful, but I, I think he's been a really good influence, um, an experienced head, and we 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 need those players. I'm really excited about the progress of Mader and McAllister. Um, um, you know, as I said, against Chelsea, Alzate looked like he was back in his pomp, and Alzate in his pomp is a, is a thrilling central mm. fielder, as far as I'm concerned. You know, then you add in Muepu, you add in Casado, um, and you just wonder whether you'd be kind of limiting those chances. Yeah, so and also, I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking right back. Right back and one, maybe even two up front because we there is Dad, obviously anyway. So maybe one yeah. of him. But, yeah. But but there is the question about what happens with both Mope and Trossard because in the and summer, they, yeah, in the summer. Well, I, I think McAllister might have an option of another year. Yeah, that solves that might problem at least. Um, but Mope and Trossard contracts are up the following summer, so. There's a decision to make mm. on that. Yes, because you don't want to lose all of them. But on the other hand, you also don't want to leave it and then find that you've got, you get nothing for them the following summer or something. So it's a, it's a difficult situation. It surprises me the club have let it get that near, to be honest. I mean, unless I suppose they've tried for a year and no one's been interested in signing new deals. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. I think increasingly we're seeing players seeing out their contract um, because they know that, you know, the next deal, which is a really big one, mm. and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Trossard go in that way. Um, I'd be slightly more surprised if, if Mope goes in that way. But um, the club well, may yeah. feel that if there's certainly one of if it's one of them, that the danger of losing so many in one season it covers off the fact that they lose them for free in the summer next year. So the the danger of going down, which you'd have if you you lost all three at the same time, and Basuma. On the on the Basuma matter, I do think with the list that, that Andy's just provided, you know, you look at that and you think, well, I think we're going to start off with the notion of seeing how Mwepu and Caicedo in particular can develop, plus obviously Alzate. They've um, also got Kozlowski as well, who, while I know we haven't really featured at USG for whatever reason, is regarded as being one of the most talented youngsters in Europe. Yeah. I mean, we're assuming he'll go on another loan, but he might not. I mean, if he has a good pre-season, hits the right notes with Graham Potter in, in the summer and, and, every, and gels well with other people around him, maybe he comes in earlier. We don't yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah, he is described as a once-in-a-generation talent. Um, yeah. hmm. So the other, the other one, of course, is Josh, who obviously the longer it goes without him signing a new deal, makes you think he might be heading back to Germany in the summer, which I Who's want that, anyway. Who's Pascal that? Gross. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, possibly. Well, um, listen, just to round off then, I've got to just talk about managers and this will cheer Peter up um, when we get to the end of this list. <laughs> um, there's been a flurry of sackings in the last couple of weeks, some of them high, some of them low profile. Can I say also there's been a flurry of managers returning to clubs as well? There has, and there has indeed, yeah. You do that bit in a moment. I'll, I'll just list who's gone in the last, I think it's two to three weeks, uh, Paulovic at um, Reading, um, Ferguson again from Peterborough. It's a merry-go-round that is just basically Ferguson and McCann and Ferguson and McCann. <laughs> McCann's gone back to Peterborough, but yeah, yeah so that's Ferguson, one of the ones I was going to talk about. Ferguson's yeah. gone after Dara McCantley 
um, said just a couple of weeks ago on his podcast that uh, he really regretted last time he sacked him. <laughs> so that's quite entertaining. Uh, the Morgan boss left, although that I think was to join a, a different club. Um, but They're Derek running. Adams has gone back to Morecambe. Yeah. Having been sacked by Bradford, we'll come back to Bradford in a minute. Kenny Jacket has gone from Orient. Ryan Lowe's gone from Preston. Um, oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah, Valerian Ishmael. Uh, oh, Alex, Alex Neal's back at Preston replacing um, Ryan Lowe. Um, Valerian Ishmael's left West Brom, of course. Um, Taylor at Walsall, one of the Matty Taylors. That's ruined the Matty Taylor managerial derby um, gag that everyone likes to say. And, of course, a certain person at Leeds. Uh, I just so picked what... you up on something. Alex Neal's gone to Sunderland. Oh, is it? No, no, he has. Yeah, he's gone to Sunderland. Who's gone to Preston? Uh, have I missed something there? Are you sure that Ryan Lowe's been sacked? Now I'm doubting myself, Peter. Oh, I, I, I can't see anything. It says Preston manager is Ryan Lowe. Oh, okay, yeah. So Ryan Lowe, we can now confirm exclusively, is still at Preston. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them are factually correct. I, say, so I hadn't I, heard that one about him being sacked. He hasn't been there that long. Yeah, so I think I might be mixed. Oh, who knows what was going on there. He, he's, a, he's obviously a regular listener to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Do they know something I don't? <laughs> right, okay. So all of that is correct, apart from Ryan Lowe. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of managers going... Bielsa has gone from Leeds as well. We'll talk Paul about Simpson's and, back at Carlisle as well. Is the other one that's uh, yeah. And there's the Shes erection going on, of course, Oldham, yeah, where so, where John Sheridan, who's who's intermittently really quite good and really bad at various different roles, he's gone back to Oldham and done so much better than his last roles, and they might actually survive in League Two. But anyway, um, really notable here are two things from me. Mark Hughes has been appointed the Bradford City manager, which is, I think that's excellent. I mean, he, he's gone off the managerial merry-go-round. He hasn't been employed for two or three years and suddenly he's gone back in. I, I applaud him for taking the job. It is a big club, but it is a League Two club in the just into the bottom half of the division. Interesting appointment. Um, I think he could flourish. Let's see how he does. Bradford's too big for that division. They should be anyway. Um, let's see how he gets on. But um, that was very interesting and, and got a few headlines uh, across the media there. And, of course, the other one is Marcelo Bielsa's gone. And I believe uh, someone called Marsh is taking over. Peter, have you gone to join your um, your boyhood club? Yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I, just so people didn't realise it was me, I had this extra C for the surname. It is, of course, Jesse Marsh, who is who is transatlantic, is all I can say, because I don't know where he's from exactly. Sounds Canadian. There's a, an ex-US um, footballer. He played for the national team. All hmm. oh, right, and he was he was connected in Germany, wasn't he? He was working under Ranić, I believe, somewhere. Or oh, he was at Leipzig, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'd, I'd love to. Can I just say a couple on... of other interesting ones I've yeah. seen recently? Um, Paul Imps is at Reading temporarily as interim manager, which is a first. He hasn't been out. He's been out of the game for a while, so that's a, a quite interesting appointment. And the the one I think is a, a, a great appointment, and really isn't hasn't been. You know, I don't understand how they managed to get him. It's Walsall sat their manager recently and appointed Michael Flynn, who yeah. was superb at Newport and got them to the playoffs a number of times, completely against their budget. You know, yeah. the first season he was there with a miracle. I mean, I expect he will go to at least League One, if not Championship, and yeah. it's gone to Walsall, which. It's a huge appointment for them. I mean, that's yeah, a really good appointment. I mean, I really rate it. I think he's a great yeah. manager. His first game. I'm really surprised been... he's gone to a team below Newport in the league. To be honest, but... I mean, they're in deep, deep, deep trouble for possibly going out of the league, especially with Oldham's resurgence. But yeah, but but Flynn's first game in charge was a one 0 win away at Forest Green, who hadn't lost since October, 
And yeah, well, I'm going to take a bit of blame game. for that because I, I think a few of us predicted them in a predictions thing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you're also to blame for Charlton getting thrashed at home to Oxford when you yeah. skipped the Burnley game, Peter, just to get yes, that instead one. Instead of watching the Albion lose 3 0 at home to Burnley due to trains, I watched Charlton lose 4 0 at home to Oxford with Sam getting <laughs> one of the goals. <laughs> so there we go. So, I mean, Bielsa, obviously, you know, I mean, he's been sacked. Uh, He's become a club legend in a relative short period of time, what, three years or so. Yes, he's done well to get leads in the Prem when they've failed to do so for 16 years. Kept them up. There's some good football, to be honest. They're entertaining enough to watch. But they are so gung-ho, it's ridiculous. And it is really costing them. There's a stat saying they conceded 20 goals in 17 days. He's a victim of his own stubbornness, I think. And it sounds like this is the first time as well. He often goes to jobs for like three years or something like that. And then leaves because teams work him out and teams want to play him and he won't change and he won't adapt. And, you know, it's like, it's all very well to say. It obviously was a really no, murder ball, as it's uh, kind of, you know, delightfully known. Is You know, it's a very good, you know, it's a very good to watch, but it also leaves you massively open. And, and teams who are lower down have worked out to play leads and teams who are higher up are just walk through them now. And it, I mean, I saw the second half of the Tottenham game at the Annex at the weekend and both teams, to be fair, could have scored, but Tottenham could have about seven or something like that by the, in the end, it, they they were you know had so many chances and Leeds just didn't defend at all and it, yeah they just don't have the players for that especially now and they've been unlucky with injuries this year they've lost that Phillips for quite a long time and they've had no Bamford for quite a long time but on the other hand they were lucky last year that they had them for so long and that's part of the reason they did so well so it, you know it, they can't really complain too much and yeah I mean obviously I really hope that one of the Leeds and Newcastle go down. I mean, I'd rather Newcastle given the choice, but I, I will settle for, New, settle for Leeds. It'll be very entertaining because I think Norwich and Watford are gone now, so it's a matter of who the third team is. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I, I'd just like to point out that our last away game of the season is at Ellington Road. and I'm, I'm not going to that. <laughs> I'm keen to go to that. I, I would normally. reasons but might... that might have just been mentioned. Me and, me and Russ won't be going because it's my stag do that weekend. So. Yeah, okay. Um, um, I would normally, yeah. I, I'm sure I could. We could do. A, we could have done a live podcast and talk to Leeds fans. That would have been fun. I mean, <laughs> a, a couple of points on what you said. Um, I mean, firstly, you're, you're spot on that um, Bielsa is just so, so stubborn on that. I do think that the way he plays is different from Murderball. That's the training session where they play. Um, Oh yeah, sorry. Basically, the ball doesn't go out of play, and they just play for that to generate the kind of intensity of running for ninety minutes and so forth. But the way he plays is man to man, isn't it? Um, and yeah, they just get hope, hopelessly exposed. Um, and the other thing that um, has hindered him this year is that he insists on working with a really, really small squad. Yeah. And once you take, you know, two of your three best players out of that, which was um, Bamford and Phillips, as you've said, then Cooper it's going to affect them. It's going to affect them big time. Um, yeah, and it has the, done. The interesting thing for me is they've chosen a, a manager with no experience in the Premier League, to and a pretty bad experience overall at Leipzig this season to keep them up. It, it's quite a risk, you know. I, I would have. I know it's a very different situation to what, you know, the team tactics to, but I'd have been tempted almost to go for an Allardyce just at the end of the season to try and keep you up. And then you can think again in the summer and bring someone else in. Like mm. in the summer when 
But I mean, it's a big risk to take with your Premier League status. It it is, but um, I think you probably need someone that isn't so um, distant from the way in which Bielsa yeah. challenged it. But you could have probably found there, someone. There, there would be somewhere. no transition, um, and you you know that there, there isn't a transfer window on those lines, which is one of the things that Allardyce yeah. likes, along with pints, red wine. Um, <laughs> And chewing gum and irritating me. Um, but I, I will miss Bielsa and his translator big time. Uh, yeah, yeah, poor translator. Someone's talked about him. Does he get a payoff as well? When somebody think of the translator, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, to be to be um to give the Leeds fans something, sorry, Peter. Um any game that you watch where Leeds were playing, it would be a thrilling game of football. Oh, yeah, you, you you can't say that about some of our ones as much as um you know we no, put the ball around the back at times. The, the very reasons that their tactics are flawed makes them an extremely interesting yeah. watch because they could win four three and they could lose six nil, but yeah. they're goals. There's very rarely nil nil draws involved in Leeds, except ironically the game against us. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I think that's a good place to leave it. I mean, we'll the the Newcastle game just very quickly. Uh, Peter, you're not going on or going actually? No. I'm, I'm hoping, going. Yes, but you are going, Andy. I'm hoping to go to Lewis Worthing. I'm not sure yet if I can make it, but I'm hoping to get down for that one. Peter, you've got other plans in general, but um, Andy, you're going to the game. Looking forward to it. It's always a good away day, isn't it, Newcastle? Yeah, it's my favourite away day. So um, we're staying overnight, as I say, um, very early start. Um, the tra- booking trains was a nightmare, and I'm not talking about what I've talked about already, which is Brighton to London leg. Um, uh, a friend of mine managed to get a really good deal um, and it was looking like two or three times as much money um, yeah. on the National Rail site. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, I can recommend to your listeners, if they haven't been, that Newcastle is probably my favourite away day. Have you been training for the uh, the long walk up the stairs and everything? <laughs> uh, well, I did it worse the wear to the West Upper um, the other day, which is about <laughs> half, half the distance. It's like kind of doing equivalent of a half marathon to train for a marathon sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, it does look like we'll be able to do that next season because I do think Newcastle are probably yeah. going to survive the way it's looking. Everton, Brentford, Leeds... Um, they're all looking over their shoulders. Burnley are coming back into a form. Watford are scraping scores here and there. I sometimes. think Watford and Norwich are gone, I'd say. I Burnley. think Watford are going and Norwich are going. And I'm really worried about Brentford now. I, unfortunately, out of nowhere, since we last talked about the relegation battle, I think Brentford are now looking like a very strong candidate. for. Their hope is that Ericsson can find some of the form he had at Tottenham. Yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully so. He'll be a, make a huge difference if he can, even for half an hour off the bench, if they're nil-nil or one-nil down. He'd yeah. be huge different if he can find some form. I, he, I mean, he did play an absolutely stunning pass um, that I saw on match of the day, actually. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant first Great time. Player, isn't the it? problem is that Ivan Tony yeah. and Brian Wemu are not like Harry Kane and Son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not necessarily going to take those chances, so he might have to take a few himself. Yeah. 
That's it. Well, on that note, let's wrap up. Andy, I, I sincerely hope you're able to enjoy not just the day out, but the yeah. football as well on Saturday. Um, when you go up to Newcastle, let, we, we're overdue. When we are better away from home in general, we are their bogey team generally. Let's hope we can prove it again and let's um, keep them keep them worried a little bit longer. Um, on that note, final final words really to say, if you can rate us, please do. I haven't mentioned this for a few weeks. Please do rate us on um, the usual platforms in which you may get your podcast if you can five stars would be great any comments you can add as well we are also signed up to patreon now and i'm going to give details out on the next podcast but we uh, if anybody did want to donate anything completely and utterly up to you it's a, a scheme where you can just help the podcast provider that you might listen to to help with funding for whatever we might be up to in our case probably funding some microphones will be the first plan actually to upgrade our our quality um more details on that on the next one but you basically, you're make new signings to like upgrade on me later. yeah exactly you say yeah new signing is a contributor no um i mean it, it's purely a voluntary thing you don't have to do it at all and if you do we'd be very grateful more details to follow um we aren't going to do anything under a paywall at any point so don't worry about that also, um, yeah, we are under the Sports Social Network. We're just a big thumbs up to them again for all their help. And I think that pretty much covers it for this week. So um, if you haven't listened to the Dick Knight interviews, um, which is, um, well, it's one interview, two parts, um, episodes 200 and episode 204, check them out. They're, they're great entertainment to, uh, to hear the Albion legend, the madman himself of the Albion. Um, in the meantime, Peter, let's sign out in the usual way, shall we? By saying, stand or fall. The Albion. And thank you to Andy. Cheers, Andy. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Will Friedle. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood.